Welcome again to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the weekly visit to the virtual church classroom at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm your teacher and your host, Pastor Dan Sinkhorn, the pastor at Shiloh, and uh, I'm helped today as most often with my daughter Bethany at my right hand to help me teach and guide you and most of all just explore with you because I really don't know everything but I sure enjoy trying to figure it out in front of you in front of this microphone so we're glad to be with you again for another episode this is uh, episode 32 of the Revelation Bible study we're going to look at Revelation 18 today after we worship and read from Psalm 33. Today's recording is being made on December the 11th, 2018. Today's Psalm reading is Psalm 33. Psalm 33, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous, it is fitting to, for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with harp. Make music to him on ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by his by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death, to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, Lord, even as you put as we put all of our hope in you. Well, 
certainly this psalm, Lord, takes us right to the study today. It reminds us that there is nothing happening in this book of Revelation, especially in these terrible last days, that you are not sovereign over. We can rejoice in you, Lord, and know that you are more powerful than the most fearsome enemy that we can imagine and more. And so, Lord, we go into this study confident that you are victorious and that we, through Christ Jesus, are victorious with you. We look forward with fear and, and joy for this great day of yours to come. Help us, Lord, now as we study together, as we come from different places in our lives, bless us and heal us and help us so that we can serve you even more joyfully in all that we do. Amen. It's good to have you back. You've been uh, out. <laughs> the uh, What the folks don't know is that you've been fighting colds and things for several weeks. And last week you just said, you know, you really need to get a podcast done. And I'm not up to it. So I did it solo. I did not and uh, in fact, I, I just inadvertently gave you even less of a voice because I had your mic turned down. Oh, well. There you are. I said I didn't have a voice last week. Yeah. And you took my voice away this week. Yeah, only for a second. If I'd known that I could <laughs> mute you like that. Oh, ha, ha, ha. 20-something <laughs> years now, 20. Let's just not talk about that. Yeah, especially if you want a podcast partner. You old thing. Just remember, I'm older. Well, okay, so we, uh, uh, I did chapter 17 last week. Chapter 17 is a chapter that kind of explains itself. So what I, what I ended up doing was just reading it all. Okay. Because about halfway through 17, it starts saying, uh, the, the angel says, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there wasn't a lot more there that I could do because I wanted to take it at face value. It's always been our goal. Yeah. So uh, now we're at chapter 18. Now, chapter 18 is kind of long, and it's kind of a speech by the, the angel of the Lord. And um, <clears throat> to kind of set it up, it, it's important to remember that the, uh, the last section of the of the book of revelation is it, sort of uh it, it's climactic in steps mm -hmm. so so basically you have chapter 
uh, 17 and 18 is the whole mystery Babylon thing. And what that's really referring to uh, that I talked about last week is that the Babylon is um, both a literal place that becomes extremely significant in this final era of human existence, um, at least as Revelation defines it. And Babylon is also a uh, symbol of all the most decadent, earthly, human, anti-God desires. You know, mm-hmm. like, like you know, I talked about this last week in the show, and basically what it, it comes down to is that we've, we've seen Israel and Babylon sort of contrasted. Um, and from a biblical standpoint and according to my commentary it it's as though we're talking about two women and the reason is is because there are a couple of declarations uh from mystery babylon that basically sound like they're putting down israel for you know it's like it's like two women taking each other on you know on a on a really personal level a lot of personal attacks so anyway so, so these two paradigms basically are uh, Babel, which is opposition to God, and and the kind of opposition that Lucifer was guilty of, because it's the opposition that says, "I'm Nimrod, and I can build a tower and punch you in the nose, and then I'll take over heaven." You know, I'm yeah. I'm uh, I'm the beast. I'm the great world leader, and I'm going to go to battle with you and then I'll be in charge of everything from here on out it's that kind of over over the top pride that we can't even wrap our minds around and uh, so the whole idea of Babylon or Babel Babylon is 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 complete and utter pride pride that is on a level with Satan a pride that cannot see the folly of its position cannot see anything except its own satisfaction, you know. So, so, and, and, and it was really funny because um, this week I got an email through the church's website from an anonymous uh, writer. And we get those frequently. Um, I don't know what that means except that people seem to come to the website to ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I got this question where it was asked of me, you know, this uh, passage from first John that basically says somebody's going to be guilty of an unpardonable sin. And it's a sin that leads to death or spiritual death. And there's really nothing you can do about that. But if you see someone guilty of a lesser sin, then you know try to help them and try to try to lead them towards repentance so so this is this is my interpretation of this letter of john the same john that's given us this revelation right and and so this guy wanted me to explain this to him because you know he was a little afraid that it might have meant something else and something that he was personally fearing you know uh if not for himself than someone he cared about and so I really studied the passage, and I did my research, read the commentaries from people that I trust, and, and I finally came back with the answer that basically um, John was writing to early Christians because there was already 
some really powerful heresies that were being put out there, and people were becoming uh, really proud of their special knowledge of God, which is the essence of Gnosticism. The Gnosis is this knowledge of God, or in particular, knowledge of Jesus. So Gnosticism was the was this sort of uh, uh, heresy that said only people had a, who had a particular knowledge of him could experience him. So he wasn't real, but he was real to the ones who could fig- who could see him and could hear him, and and you had to be special to to get that. And that was that's one take on Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. But 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 basically, what I was trying to tell this guy is is that why he's writing this to them, why he's saying. You got to watch out because some people are just so far gone. There's nothing that can save them. I mean, that was the gist of of what John was saying. He was saying, "You're going to be dealing with people who are just wrong, and you can help them see where they're wrong." Or, to put it nicer, you know, maybe they're just misunder mis misunderformed. In a way, I'm saying two things with one yes. phrase: <laughs> they they don't understand and they're underinformed. You know, they're <laughs> ignorant. But maybe I've just coined a new phrase, misunderformed. Maybe. You know, they're confused and they don't have enough information. Misunderformed. That's going in the dictionary, you know, under damnisms. But sure. but anyway, we so so basically this uh, this guy, the way I was trying to help him understand this was just to say, look, you know, John's just saying that these people who perpetuate these heresies are are really um, they're, they're more than just confused, misunderformed, wrong, whatever. These people are determined to be right to the point where they're blind to God. They're blind to their own sinful nature. They're blind to their own, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And, and the only reason I felt myself going in that direction was because this is Babylon. And, you know, as a pastor, I find myself trying to tell people why we have to combat certain kinds of problems in the church and we can't be passive about it. And that's because I don't have any enemies in the church. I don't have enemies in any of the churches I've ever served. There's no there's no person in any of the churches I ever served that I consider my enemy. I consider Satan my enemy. And I think that through ignorance and pride, some people allow themselves to be used by Satan. And those people generally are pretty offended if they think that I think that, you know. And I've never actually said that to their face. But what I'm listening for is the voice of Satan, you know. I'm listening for the voice of Satan and I'm listening, I'm watching for the tactics of Satan. Mm -hmm. Which we can do because the Bible's full of it. Yeah. We, you know, and we're reading this whole book of Revelation where it's telling us you, you can tell when Satan's at work. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between Israel and Babylon. Yeah. Um, Israel is this uh, this uh, unfaithful bride, like in Hosea, but still worthy of God's love. And so there's this idea that that. You know, if you take uh, if you take Gomer, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you take the whole thing with Hosea, and you understand that that it's it's God's way of saying you'll come back. I know you will. And then you have Babylon, 
in Babylon, he says, you'll never come back. I know you'll never come back. Yeah. You weren't with me in the first place. And all you're doing is getting further from me. And so this, I believe, is what Jesus meant when he described the unpardonable sin as denying the Holy Spirit. is basically saying some people will move so far from God that God will no longer reach out to them. They'll be given over to their sin, as it says in the Romans and also in mm -hmm. Hebrews. So now we're there at the culmination of that problem. The destruction of Babylon is the ultimate outcome for that kind of pride, that kind of, of evil. Yeah. And, and it's evil. You know, when we think of evil, we <clears throat> want to, we want to imagine people doing really horrible things to one another and all that. And all of that's true. But from God's point of view, evil is really simple. If you are opposed to God, then the extent to which you're opposed to God is a determination of the extent of your evil. And uh, sometime, sometime we can really talk about that, you know, cause, uh, because I think that, that maybe, you know, cause, because believe it or not, we're getting to the point where we might have to start thinking about what we're going to do after this series. But, you know, understanding who the devil is and understanding that spiritual warfare is real, understanding that, that we are, we are to be militantly opposed to evil. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a tough one, but anyway. So now we have the destruction of Babylon. And chapter 17 was sort of this, look at me, I'm Babylon, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, you know, I'm, I'm invincible, you know, and, and uh, that, that's a line from a movie, I can't think. I just was picturing the Black Knight. That's it. It's not what he says, I don't think, but I just, that's immediately why I snickered. Yeah, yeah. you know, he, he is convinced, <laughs> Mystery Babylon is convinced that they have reached the pinnacle they are at the height of their power and that it's purely earthly power it's purely um you know uh, stuff and people oriented so so anyway that that's the gist i i should just go ahead and get into the book here but but the whole idea of this woman mystery babylon mm -hmm. is is that she is humanity who has completely given itself over to human interest, to material things, and in effect, Satan, because the denial of God has reached the point where they'll follow him to hell. And you know, when they took the mark, mm -hmm. the Bible says, yeah, that was their mark that was their ticket to hell. Mm -hmm. So... Then the dragon eats her, <laughs> basically saying, you know, the only thing worse than a whole, or the only thing more evil than a whole group of people who are completely self-absorbed is the one who's biggest and baddest of them all is so self-absorbed he can't even live with other self-absorbed people. Mm -hmm. So Well, it's that story. There's a fable, I forget, about a scorpion and a frog. Yeah. Yeah. And the scorpion convinces the frog that 
There, the, it's or the frog convinces the scorpion that he can get him across the water. And well, the, the scorpion says to the frog, "I'm going to die if I stay out here on this island because the water's rising and pretty yeah. soon it's going to be. You can swim if you give me a ride on your back. You can take me to safety." And he says he won't kill and, him. And the frog says, "I can't take you on my back. You'll sting me and kill me." And the scorpion says, "No, I won't. We'd both die if I did that." So the, the frog says, yeah, I guess you're right. So they, he lets him ride on his back, and they start across the water, and then the scorpion stings him. Mm-hmm. And just before they both die, he says, the frog says, why'd you do that? And the scorpion says, I can't help it. It's I'm just what I do. Yeah. You know. It's like so, the dragon thing. Yeah. It's it's just. Win everybody over to your side, but you're still the dragon. Evil is personified in yeah. this character of Satan, but. This total opposition to God that leads to complete self-destruction. Okay, so why don't you read, I, I mean, hopefully this has been helpful, but why don't you, uh, there's a lot there, so just stop when you think we need to make a point or if I'll flag you down or something, but let, let's start okay. in on 18. <clears throat> After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon the Great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Okay, so this is both literal and figurative, I think because it's describing um, this obsession with worldly things, you know, that, mm-hmm. that um, <clears throat> it, it's like thinking that this is all there is and he who dies with the most stuff wins, you know. And, and then that joke that we've used a few times, you know, when the richest man in the world dies, somebody might say, how much did he leave behind? And the uh, logical answer is he left Everything. it all, you know. So, so this is really the declaration that all of this wealth and all of this uh, gathering of stuff is, is just foolish, you know, because the Lord can take it all away in a second. But it's also literal in that we have seen, and, and you know, we've gone in a direction that I haven't heard. I've listened to a lot of of preaching and commentaries about revelation and I've read a lot more and uh, I'm taking a direction on this that I, you know, I would love to have one of these people who are way more expert than I am. Tell me if I'm off my rocker, but all I've done is taken this book. You and I have taken this book from chapter one to this point, literally, and just read from chapter to chapter to chapter and where I think we are right now is, is that most of the world is wiped out. And what's left is in a certain part of the world. I've heard people say, uh, where's America in, in the last days? Where's America in the final book of the Bible? It seems to me like maybe one of those incidents where a third of the world was wiped out might have been the reason there's no America in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. But Babylon is still there. Jerusalem is still there. 
So I'm at the point right now where I'm taking this literally, and I'm just picturing a place over there in the Middle East well, that seems to have survived all of this stuff. And uh, we know that, like, Megiddo is still yeah. in exists, like, because it lasts yeah. until close to the very end. And really, if you look at a world map, I mean, it's entirely possible that Europe's been wiped out in 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 you know at least eastern europe let's say um or western uh, eastern's more inland i guess you're right that's okay i was thinking more of eastern like like uh east and west as far as constantinople (laughs) yeah that's my problem i basically i'm thinking that that this this area where Israel and, and Syria and, you know, the Middle East and all this is still there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of Africa is left, and I don't know how much is... But well, I'm... if you look at a world map, like, there are other places too, but, like, the Middle East is kind of, at least this part of the Middle East that we're talking about, it's yeah. kind of, like, continentally landlocked. Yeah, it's really central. So it has... I would, I mean, I know you've experienced earthquakes in Israel, but I would assume that there are geological, geographical features that make it kind of solid. Yeah. Compared to other, I mean, we joke about California falling off the map. Yeah. But like. You want to hear something interesting? We haven't gotten to this passage yet, but. We're coming, you know, because we're because chapter 18 is basically the return of the king chapter, you know, mm-hmm. and and we're going to get to a passage that says Jesus is going to stand one foot on the Mount of Olives and there's going to be a rift because of it. Mm-hmm. And at the time I was in Israel and there was the <laughs> earthquake, they were explaining on the news and, and I had to have it interpreted to me, but but they were explaining on the news that this was something called the uh, there's something along the lines of a San Andreas fault <laughs> over there, but it's called the African Rift fault or something like that. Um, and and honestly, you know, Israel and Egypt they're all part of they're not part of Africa technically, but I mean Africa's right there. It's very know, close, northern yeah. Africa's right there. But they were also talking about how there is a place in the middle of the Mount of Olives that is cracked all the way down. And, and my then, response is, duh, it's in the Bible. And, and you know, I heard a guy say one time, you know, after I'd heard about this, I heard somebody say, yeah, so when Jesus comes and he puts his foot down there and gives it a good stomp, <laughs> it's all over that that there splits. ain't no coincidences you know, with god no not really and <laughs> and so so again i'm probably belaboring the issue but we're we're talking about a place that really exists yeah. we're talking about a, a place in future history that is still there even when so much of the rest of the earth has been devastated and so we come to this chapter where we're talking about the only economic power is coming from there that, that this is well, this is now the central uh you know babylon is literally where all the business of the world is being done and and all the commerce of the existing world as they know it and <clears throat> one thing you can say about humanity is is humanity is determined to survive no matter what and so uh, in fact somebody was 
we've had a few comments from our from our friends in the church who listen about how you know they get why we're making the references to the post-apocalyptic movies and things because even though those are generally not christian or biblical mm -hmm. or anything the reality is the same as this humanity will try to survive mm -hmm. i mean people will find a way to keep going mm -hmm. and and what I hear in this is that Babylon has become the center of what's left. Well, and I think like, because I was looking at that, there's one, the one line that says a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. And I was sitting here trying to think like, like obviously what comes to mind is like carrion birds. Like, yeah. But that actually makes sense because I feel like they would be considered unclean. Like if you went back in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. because they dead things right like that's un that you wouldn't want to mess with them yep and it makes sense that to me that babylon would be like of the cre of the creatures left in the world that aren't human it makes sense to me that babylon would be overwhelmed by like vultures and just you know buzzards maybe some other birds of prey that have just resorted to that because it's easy gate like there's a I, lot of... I actually think it's going to explain that as it, as we go a little further because would... because wherever there's mass destruction right like the, suddenly if they're left yeah which and it makes sense to me again that like birds would be some of the last creatures left because they can at least take to the air and get away from certain sure destruction um you know, and they would be and congregating. Are, and those type they're of birds, they're just completely indiscriminate. They, and they're opportunists. They see rotting flesh, they exactly. eat it, they don't care what it's on. Exactly. So, like, that that just makes sense to me that Babylon, like, it says Babylon has fallen, and I'm thinking, yeah, and that's where the last congregation of not-so-awesome people are. And yeah, now you now that's true, but, but it, we're going to read here in a minute that there's a celebration. There's people that are really glad Babylon has fallen. So it isn't as though there aren't other populations. Well, that's why the last congregation of the really bad people is right, what I'm saying. Right, There, There are other populations. And, and the reason centers. I said that is because I feel like you, you said those birds are indiscriminate, but those types of people are indiscriminate yeah. too. And I imagine that killing's not a big thing. Right. So it makes sense that that kind of those yeah, kind of birds would be During those days, there. I'm sure you know like, if they had a party because the two witnesses died, right. and and people gave gifts to each other and celebrated that these two witnesses so I'm not, died. Yeah, I'm not really adding anything new. I just think it's interesting. Yeah, but there are so there are other population centers. Yeah, but they're all subjugated by Babylon. Right. And so they can't live with the Babylon. They can't live without mm -hmm. Babylon. Then Babylon goes down. You know. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of people in the in the third world, especially, that think that America should just be gone because they think that everything that's wrong with the world is because of America, mm -hmm. and yet they know they can't live without America either, because the whole world's economy is really so dependent upon our our greed and our gluttony, so to speak, mm -hmm. and and so I wouldn't it, say so to speak. We can we can relate to this, you know. So anyway, let's keep reading. Okay. Then I heard another voice from heaven say, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she has given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. 
give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I said as a queen, I am not a widow, and I will never mourn. Therefore, in one day her plagues will overtake her, death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. So this is Babylon, Babel, mocking Israel. And mocking Israel because Israel seems to have been defeated and Babylon has been uh, exceedingly successful in the worldview of that day. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this all the time in different church settings because there are certain themes in the Bible that I have realized. You know, the older I get, the more I realize that there are things that are just absolutely true. And and this is pretty normal for, you know, people. We, we should get wiser as we get older. But one of those absolute truths is, is that God hates sin and there is no worse form of sin than oppression. And God absolutely despises oppression and if you look through the bible from beginning to end god is really ticked off about oppression Mm -hmm. and he brings down the oppressors and when we oppress others there is no more wicked form of self-serving pride which is sin because it means that you think that you're more important than God. And not only that, that you think all other people should be subjected to your opinions, to your wants, your desires, whatever. So what we hear is Babylon, both figuratively and literally, has, has subjugated the world and oppressed the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And no one has it oppressed worse than Israel. And there's something very funny about this, because remember how we were talking the last time you were with me on this, we were talking about how the plagues matched the plagues of Exodus. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what's happening here? Mm -hmm. The world power in the Exodus was Egypt, Mm -hmm. and the leader of the world was a self-proclaimed God, and he was oppressing the whole world, but no one worse than Israel. So God brought them down with plagues and ultimately mm-hmm. its destruction because that Egyptian uh, monarchy was destroyed when their army was wiped out. They were they were no they were powerless, and when they lost their slaves and when they'd been devastated by plague after plague after plague, they were economically destroyed. Yeah. So a system of complete and utter destruction was God lowered the boom on Egypt. Mm-hmm. And now we see the same thing. God's plaguing the world, and in particular Babylon, over and over again. And now he's taking aim at the self-proclaimed God. And it's really the same character. Literally the same character. He's got a different hat on, but he's still the same guy. And God's taking aim at him, and, and he's saying, and, and you know what really ticks me off about you? You also hurt my people Mm -hmm. and I'm not done with Israel and that by the way is something that Christians really need to get through their heads I cannot stand I cannot abide when I hear anyone who proclaims to be a Christian who is dismissive of Israel and who is even hateful toward Israel Um, you need to understand that our Savior was a Jew 
that he did not cancel out the Jews. He said he came to fulfill everything that they stood for. Um, he did not, there's nothing in scripture that would give justification for thinking that God is done with the Jews and that we don't owe them anything, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so as far as I'm concerned, Christians and Jews are more aligned mm -hmm. than not. And this book right here is telling us, and at this very moment, it's telling us. God isn't done with the Jews, and right now he's saying to Babylon, I'll tell you how I'm not done I am with them. My I'm favorite, done with you. My favorite line, because I read a lot of books, and like, there's sometimes there's a moment when you're reading a book where the narrator or so, like some other character says something, and you just cringe and go, why did you say that? You just put yourself in like the worst spot ever. Mm. So my favorite line is when she's like, I said as queen, I'll never more. I'm like, oh, man, you should not have said that. Yeah. yeah. It's like one of those cringeworthy moments. That it's was like you really just blew yourself up. <laughs> so keep reading. Uh-huh. I mean, literally, because <laughs> this is where yeah. she gets her comeuppance. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand off far off and cry. Woe, woe, O great city, O Babylon, city of power. In one hour your doom has come. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, and pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet cloth, every sort of citron wood, and articles of every kind, made of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense, of wine and olive oil, of fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages and bodies and souls of men. Oh, I hate that. Because hmm. um, the souls were gone too. Well, I just hate the mark. that bodies and souls of people are described as cargo. That just disturbs yeah. me so much. Yeah. Um, it's something that still happens, so, you know, it's not... No, um, reading that, though, I think it's really interesting. Like, they're mourning for her, but it's not about her. No, they're mourning for like, their loss because... Yeah, it's all about them. They're still totally self-absorbed. It's not... And that, by the way, is that little passage about them seeing the smoke is literally the indication that tells us there are other centers of society and, you know, there are other population centers... They can see the smoke. They can see, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would assume it would be a significant burning. Like, yeah, I mean, a lot of... you know, the kind of explosion or fire that leads to being able to see, you know, it sounds like a nuclear bomb going off or something. But, but Like whatever. where you would have, be able to see it quite a yeah. distance. Yeah. Yep. So. They will say the fruit you longed for is gone from you. All your riches and splendor have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at her torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, Woe, woe, O great city dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. In one hour such great wealth has been brought to ruin. Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea, will stand far off. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and, with weeping and mourning, cry out, Woe, woe, O great city, 
where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, O heaven. Rejoice, saints and apostles and prophets. God has judged her for the way she treated you. So again, everyone who's mourning is mourning because they lost something. Like, it is not. Yeah. That would be a sad way to go. Yeah, and I was just just thinking, it's like, you know, this is only three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And... Babylon has emerged as this major economic powerhouse that's ruling the world in that short a time. And I have to assume that that the up to that three and a half year point of the tribulation, the great tribulation really sets in after Babylon is secured as kind of the capital and, and the beast takes over. And this beast must have done some pretty, must be going to do some really remarkable economic development and reconstruction and everything. And, you know, because basically the remnant, the people that are left on the earth are so convinced that they're beholden to him and to this Babylon. And it must be that in order for this level of destruction to occur and be described as it is there, it must be that in a pretty short amount of time, they rebuild the world that's there to rebuild to be rebuilt that you know that that um mm. and again if you think about those movies you know and things like that i mean basically um surviving on your own is pretty difficult but most people are going to prefer to survive in cities and places like that where they can barter and share resources and and so basically, and if the, you have the monopoly on the resources, yeah. you can pretty well build what you want to so build. So the living, you know, the people, the, the, the surviving people of the world are going to move in that direction. And Babylon's going to become this center. And, and you know, the, the reality is, is that if it's in the future, um, I, I, I'm not saying this right, but since it hasn't happened yet, we know that it's in our future. And given what we have in the way of engineering ability, technology, you know, in other words, from this point forward, the potential for a rapid reconstruction and a massive infrastructure being put in place uh, by, you know, people with a blank check and all the world's resources, in other words, it's just thinking about what we're technologically capable of right now. If this happened in this year, it would be possible. And certainly it hasn't happened this year. I do kind of think and or wonder if it would have to be an already established city, though. Well, it could be. And actually, Babylon has been, you know, old Saddam Hussein, before he met his demise... Uh, had been restoring Babylon because he really thought he was going to be the next, you know, he was he was making coins and things with his image on him. He really planned on becoming mm-hmm. uh, the next great Babylonian king. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his plan. So I don't know anything about it lately, but when Iraq was being taken charge of by our American forces, um, there were American soldiers who were in Babylon where where they had been actively restoring the city and building. So I don't know what's Well, and I don't even know that I'm thinking that way. I'm just thinking, like, there's a lot that you could do in three and a half years. 
but I think you would have to have a pretty good base to begin with. Well, so I have this other theory that I'm not really comfortable with, and that's Dubai. I was thinking about Dubai, too, and not because I think it's Babylon, but because it is decadent in the extreme. It's all about human indulgence, and it's this magic city that grew up in the desert. Right. You know, I mean, it really did. It, it, it's, it's, it's like Las Vegas on steroids. Yeah. And again, like, I don't think that everybody in Dubai is what we're reading about. Yeah. I think there are probably wonderful people in Dubai who are Christ followers. But the city kind of screams Babylon to me. Everything about Dubai makes me think Babylon. And so I can't help wondering if that isn't Babylon, except that it isn't in the right location. Right. And it seems like the Bible is pretty explicit about right. this. But, but I do wonder but if, maybe like, not. if a, sim, a similar city, or at least just just a city that already has some wealth, would be the base, just because, like, again, you can do a lot in three and a half years, but I don't know that, I mean, maybe if you're the devil, you can, but I feel like... But I think to a certain, you know, he is able to work lot. miracles of sorts. Yeah. Because that's how he convinces people that he's Jesus. You know, I mean, mm. that's where we get the whole Antichrist word. Because it's not really someone who is Antichrist. Like he's in, you know. It's like a creepy imposter. We know he's in, in, in his heart. He's opposed to Jesus. But he's really like a creepy imposter. That's a good way to put it. He's, he's somebody who seems like he's really the real deal. And, you know, and, and Jesus says, be careful. He says that in his own words during his time on earth. He says, mm -hmm. be careful. There will be those who will sound mm -hmm. like they're on board, you know, and, and you've got to know me mm -hmm. to be able to avoid that trap. So, yeah. all right, you want to read a little bit more? Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, flute players, and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No workman of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of a bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. Your merchants were the world's great men. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who have been killed on the earth. Hmm. Angels are so awesome. I'm really stuck on this Dubai thing because I just keep thinking, you know, Dubai is You just so... called it a magic city and then it says the, a magic spell. Yeah. All nations were led astray by a magic spell. They got the tallest buildings. They built, they literally built out into the ocean this palm tree shaped island kind of thing and and it's just like imagine all of this human achievement that's all based on money mm -hmm. why did it happen there because those people have more money than they know what to do with that's why and and if there's one thing that's been pretty consistent in that culture of that part of the world is is that you know fabulous wealth is to be exploited mm -hmm. and and you know it's not unique to that culture but you know in america 
when the same kind of conditions existed a hundred and something years ago, a lot of these people overindulged themselves, but also were great philanthropists. Mm -hmm. You know, it's why we have Carnegie libraries in so many communities and things like that. I mean, these people have more wealth than they knew what to do with. Well, I think... I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I think the difference was is that they had a healthy, <laughs> this is going to sound so weird, because it's not like a good emotion, but they had like a healthy amount of shame and guilt, which sounds really funny, but there, so there's a, <laughs> there's a difference between those two words, so that's why I want to be careful. It's not good to shame people. Right. Shaming is bad. I understand. But having guilt of your own that you've put on yourself that's legitimate, that's different. Like accepting guilt. And I think that even though some of those men were not awesome people. Right. They had at least the tiniest bit of genuine guilt. Yeah. And they decided to do something about it. What I see today in a lot of extremely wealthy people is a total lack of that. Yeah. There's a lack of guilt. There's a lack of empathy. It's it's instant gratification. It's me, me, me. It's pride. Well, you know, I'm the pastor, so I can go ahead and say what I think the problem is in Arab countries and why it's different from these guys who had a healthy guilt. Because they may not have been the most Christian people in the world, but they lived in a society that was highly affected by Christian culture. And the source of their shame and guilt, or whatever it was that motivated them to do good works as well, was the ever-present reality of a certain Christian, Judeo-Christian, biblical paradigm. You know, mm -hmm. that... that, that not everybody in a, quote, Christian society is a Christian, but a Bible-based society is better in the long run because of all the good that comes as a result of people living according to the precepts of God's word. Even if they're not consciously living by those precepts, they're living within a system that is centered on those precepts. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with America now is, is we're drifting really rapidly away from that center. And so, no people in our society now do not have the same centering and they don't have anyone around them even who's the only people that are reminding them that the bible says this is not a good way to live are being written off as mean fanatics who are picking on everybody and that's probably because some of them are mean fanatics but then that ruins it for people like me who are saying no i know this is true and i believe this is true and i'm afraid for you because you don't know this but then you go to, say, an Arab society where they don't have Judeo-Christian values. And in fact, again, not that everyone in a Arab country is as deeply committed to their hatred of Israel and Christianity and the Bible of those two countries or two people groups. But they're in a society that's shaped by that. So in the same way that we lived in a Judeo-Christian biblical worldview in America 50, 75, 100 years ago or more, they are living in a culture that is informed by an Islamic worldview 
and the Islamic worldview that is most pervasive is a militant opposition to Christianity and is in and Judaism and Israel. So, go figure. They've got all this wealth, and there ain't nobody telling them that there's something wrong about the excesses. And so they just keep exceeding, you know. They, their excesses don't stop. They just keep going and going and going. And if that ain't Babylon, mm-hmm. and I'm not suggesting that, that Babylon is a purely Arab issue. I'm just saying well, that in any society that is so far removed from God's word, and that includes the Bible of the Jews and our Christian Bible, any, any society that's so far removed from God's word is... For all intents and purposes, Babylon. Well, I was going to say, I think we've established that Babylon is a physical place, but also a metaphorical place. And I would say that there's a little bit of Babylon everywhere these days. Oh, sure. Babylon's taken over this country, and I don't mean that like, you know, a hand-wringing fanatic. I mean, it's just that's the problem in a nutshell. So, you know, unless something changes, it's not hard to imagine that we're rapidly moving right towards the events in this book. So Babylon's going down, and God isn't just declaring an end to a city. He's, just, he's declaring an end to a whole way of thinking about that. It's the end of a whole worldview. Mm-hmm. It's a destruction. It's the destruction of a satanic worldview. And the satanic worldview is all about self-indulgence and pride, oppression of others, all of that. What do we have left there? That's it. Okay, that was the whole thing, huh? Mm-hmm. So chapter 19 is when the king comes. Mm-hmm. All right. So for next week. It's pretty awesome. Do some homework for next time. And see what you can learn about ancient Jewish tradition around weddings. Because if you, you want to. You already told all of them. I know I no, told them, but I want uh, them to study it. No, I wasn't going to say tell them. I was just saying, I thought you were talking to me. No, 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 no. Okay, because I've heard it a few times. I, I, I'm quite aware of that. <laughs> I'm, I'm proposing that anyone who, who is, you know, maybe picking this up midway or whatever, if you want to understand what's going to happen in chapter 19, read up on Jewish wedding traditions. I do like how... Especially the old ones. I do like how um, our, our timing is working out that... We're rolling into the end of Revelation, and it's almost Christmas. It's kind of perfect. So here's a perfect end to this episode and the fact that we're almost at Christmas time. It's right around now that churches, and and I know people aren't listening to this necessarily in real time. Some aren't going to hear this until much later. But at the time, that's why I always give you the time of date stamp on there. I always tell you this is being recorded on such and such a day. Uh, at least most of the time I do. Because I want you to be able to put it in perspective when you're listening to it in the future. But here we are just two weeks from Christmas. And we must remember for chapter 19 of Revelation that Gabriel told Mary that her son would sit on the throne of David. Mm-hmm. And you know what? David's, he ain't lying. David's throne Sorry. wasn't there. <laughs> that was a little over the top, but it's all right. <laughs> Friends, you didn't get to see the facial expression that went with it because that was just so like, 
white fuzzy. girl doing ghetto. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. And and to all the people who would find that politically incorrect, I humbly apologize and and repent if it is in any way offensive to you. But anyway, so so anyway, Gabriel tells. I'm just trying to get back on Gabriel's good side because apparently I'm a jerk to Gabriel. So. <laughs> well, you did disrespect. I him. did not. <laughs> now you'd have to be in the Wednesday night Bible study to understand that one. But she. I was just asking critical thinking questions. She just she just questioned Gabriel's tactics because he was really hard on Zechariah really sweet with Mary and he only gave Joseph a dream and so she just had these you know questions about his his methods but Gabriel did tell Mary in her most wonderful experience truly she had the best experience with Gabriel I won't dispute that with you (laughs) and and Gabriel said your son's going to sit on the throne of David the throne of David didn't exist in those days it hadn't existed for a long time. It still doesn't exist. So when's the throne of David going to happen so that Jesus can sit on it? Right now. Yeah, we're going to read about it next week. So next time, whenever. Yep. Um, thank you for listening. As always, we love to hear from you. Um, you know, we say this every week, and I don't want you to feel bad, but we don't get a lot, and that's all right. But, but we're going to keep asking. And if you're listening to this in real time, and this is somewhere around the middle of December as you're hearing it, please let us know what kind of things would interest you for the future podcast because we're going to come to the end of the Revelation series and then we're going to start something else, episode one. And we'd love to get your thoughts on that. So, uh, and, and uh, you know, I guess if you're listening to this later on, you could say, well, I guess they decided. <laughs> so anyway. You can be thinking about what you want after that. Yeah, there you go. So get on, get on our Facebook group, Knowing God with Heart and Mind. Um, check us out at Shiloh United Methodist Church's website. That's a good place for you if you're not a local person to get a little bit sense of who we are and what we're doing. Um, this is not meant to be anything fancy or national in origin, and yet I know we've got listeners who are from faraway places. So thank you for listening. It's an honor. But we are located in Jasper, Indiana. That's down in the southwest corner of the the state down there towards Evansville in the toe of Indiana and we're down that way and uh, if you're in the vicinity please come see us at, at Shiloh we'd love to meet you and uh, you know just there's re- lots of exciting things going on because it's Christmas time. that's right that's exactly right so if you um, if you want to learn more go to shilohum.org that's s-h-i-l-o-h-u-m dot org and that's a good starting point for you. And with that, I'm just going to say thank you for listening. See you later. God bless you and goodbye. Mm-hmm.